It truly is a privilege to have you be with me. The second session of how to enter into being the real you. I'll share this in our initial session and I, it just bears repetition. This is such a significant series in regards to your life because the devil does everything he can to keep you from entering into your potential. He does everything he can to get you not to be the real you. He gets you everything. I mean, he just does everything he can. He's an identity thief. And I'm here to tell you this. God wants you to know that he has shed his blood he has given everything so you could enter in, hallelujah, the understanding that the real you, hallelujah, is the image of Jesus Christ. And in our first session, we emphasize that reality in the context of the Word of God, the written Word of God, the Bible, really being that your DNA, really telling you who God is, who God is to you, and who you are to Him. And we're going to expand on that and elaborate in some of the ensuing sessions. But in this session, I, I want to focus on, I want to emphasize on the reality of battle. And when I say battle, what, what I mean is that I, the devil hates the real you. He's afraid of the real you. So the only way he can garner victory over you is getting you out of the reality of you being you. Because you see, when you walk in the image of God, the devil doesn't have a chance. But when you enter into another image, when you fall short of the image, and if you exchange the image of God, that's when, I tell you what, you'll have a heyday in your life. It's interesting, in Romans 1.23, the Bible says that sin is, ex is exchanging the glory or the image of God. You know, every time you enter into sin, You've got to give something up. You give up a part of your identity, a, a part of your image. And Romans 23, 23 says, sin is falling short of the glory or the image of God. So we want to enter in simply by looking into the reality of battle regarding your identity. I see how the devil works and enter into, hallelujah, the provision in the context of you being able to destroy the destroyer in the context of him being after your identity. You know, he really is after your identity. L let me share something. I wasn't going to share this, but it just comes to mind, and I, I try to be led by the Spirit of God. Uh, in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first prophetic word uh, ever given in the Bible is shared. Uh, and Jesus upon seeing Adam after he sinned and seeing Eve after she sinned, he said to the serpent who deceived them, he said, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and the seed of Eve. And he said, you know what? In the context of redemption, you're going to bruise the heel of my son, but he is going to destroy your head. He's going to take your head. See, you're to be the head, not the tail. Because Jesus has destroyed the head of the enemy. Glory to God. You do not have to fear the enemy having dominion over you. But you know what's amazing is Satan tries to turn that around. He, he tries to come, he comes against the head. Whether it's the head cell in your body in the context of cancer, he tries to destroy the head cells. 
and to bring about cancer, to bring about Alzheimer's, to bring about dementia. He, he, see, he's after the head. He, he tries to come against uh, families. He tries to come against the head of the family, the man. He tries to minimize. And in the days we live, he, he tries to really uh, belittle men in our society. He, he tries to come against the, the head in regards to the church. He really does his best to come after the head. I said that to say this. The devil is afraid of you. And if he can get you to identify with something in the context of degradation regarding your identity, he'll have you. There are more Christians that identify themselves with being worms than there are Christians identifying themselves not really with identifying with Jesus Christ. For the Bible says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why is that? Well, we, we, we shared on this a little bit in our initial session. We'll share on this really throughout all six, six sessions uh, because it's so important. It's just amazing. People think it's prideful to say, you know what, I can do all things through Christ. They think it's prideful to say, you know what, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin became sin, and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. People think it's, it's humble to say, I'm just a worm. To say, you know, I, I'm really no good, I'm unrighteous, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner, but you've been saved by grace. Now that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, Christ, uh, your spirit to the point where the Holy Spirit himself can dwell in your spirit, be one with your spirit, glory to God, and, and really infuse his life to your spirit. Wow. Man, I tell you, if you weren't righteous, how could the Holy Spirit be one with your spirit? You know, there's a doctrine that says that the blood of Jesus Christ simply covers your sin. It doesn't take your sin away. Well, we know that, that that is so profoundly wrong. First of all, it degrades the blood of Jesus Christ in the context of its power. But if the blood of Jesus Christ just covered your sin, you could not go to heaven because you'd still be unrighteous. And unrighteousness could never be in the presence of God. And obviously, if you were just covered by the blood of Jesus and still unrighteous, the Holy Spirit could never indwell you, could never be one with your spirit, because the Holy Spirit is infinitely holy. Oh, if we could only see how holy He is. So, but glory to God, the Holy Spirit Himself could literally be one with your spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. That the Holy Spirit Himself, glory to God, is one with your spirit. It's amazing. That's what Jesus meant when he said, you know what? You, you know, I, old wineskins could never contain the wine of the Holy Spirit, the wine of the glory of my being. You have to have new wineskins. The new wineskins are the born-again spirit of man given to us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo, hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you, how's that for an introduction? I mean, see, this subject is so vitally important because Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, as a woman thinks in her heart, so will you be. 
If you think you're a worm, you're going to act like a worm. If you think you're called to go through a living hell and never have victory over the flesh, the world, or the devil, I'll tell you what, you're going to, your life is going to be a living hell. You're going to be crying out, God, take me, come quickly. No, God doesn't want to take you quickly, come quickly. He wants you to destroy the works of the enemy, bring forth souls, hallelujah, for eternity, and then go unto his presence for eternity and, and, and victory in glory. He's coming back for a glorious church. He's not coming back for a wormy church. He's not coming back for a weak church. He's coming back for a glorious church. Hallelujah. Ooh, glory to God. I, I tell you, I, I'm excited right now. All right. So let's look at the battle. All right. Now, you've got to understand that you're made to be free. You're made to be free. I mean, from the time that you were in the womb, God's blessing was on you. Psalm 139, which is such a powerful psalm, it shares that when you were in the womb, man, God was weaving you. He was forming you. When you were in the womb, the Bible says that God was with you in the womb. He was not in you, but he was with you. Glory to God. You see, the womb is to be a place of safety. The womb is to be a place of blessing. You know, uh, we know scientifically for example, if a mother has, it just sings a song, you know, the whole time a baby's in the womb and that song is played, you know, when he comes out of the womb, he, he responds to it because he's heard it so often or she has heard it so often. So from the womb, God has ordained that, that you grow in goodness and blessing. Glory to God. You see, so often, uh, children, I'll be quite honest. I do sexual abuse counseling every day, you know, through the Auburn Ministries Counseling Center. And little children, I think it's because of the, uh, really the pornography epidemic, you know, really child pornography, that so many children have been sexually abused. One of the main contributing factors is child pornography. But it breaks your heart. See, from the time you're in the womb, as a little child, you'd experience goodness. You'd experience awesomeness, unconditional love. You'd experience the covering of a mother and father, the covering of God's success. This is the way that God's intended it to be. Glory to Jesus. The, the Bible says when, when, when Moses was handing out the blessings to the 12 tribes of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, he said that the tribe of Benjamin, and Benjamin in the Hebrew means one born from the right hand. So we know it's applicable to you and me because we've been born from the right hand. Amen. We've been born again through the one that sits at the right hand, Jesus Christ. But the, the blessing of Benjamin was that he would be in safety all, his, all of his days. He would be covered by the presence of God. And he, and he would be able to live between the shoulder blades of God. That, that's it. That's, man, just put his head on the heart of God. Uh, amen. See, that's the way it's supposed to be. In 2 Samuel 23, David said, you know what? I was raised on high. Man, from the time, you, you know, that, that baby comes out of the womb, man, he should be blessed, blessed, and blessed. He, he, he's made to be blessed. He's made to be, I mean, from the womb to, to, to really enter into blessing on high. He, he's made to be blessed. She's made to be blessed. But all too often, 
in today's society, man, little children experience harm. And as children grow, instead of dwelling in safety, I mean, their parents are struggling with drugs. I mean, there, there is a, there's a battle from, the, from, I mean, during childhood. And, and then, of course, in pre-adolescence and adolescence and beyond. I'm here to tell you that John 10, 10, I tell you, it has to be a, a homework verse in, in the life of every Christian. It says that God's come to give life in profound abundance. That is who you are. That has to be the foundation of your identity. If you're made in the image of God, you're made to live in profound blessing and abundance. But the Bible says Satan has come to kill, rob, and destroy. And we see that even from the womb in the context of abortion. I mean, in 1982, my wife and I, we founded a pregnancy center, and now there's two of them. And when you put them together, they're, uh, it's, you know, some of the largest in western Pennsylvania. But, you know, we, we deal with that area because Satan comes to kill even while the baby's in the womb. And if you're listening to my voice and, you know, you've had an abortion or, you know, you're, you're, you're somebody that, you know, your girlfriend had an abortion, God's not here to condemn you. He's here to set you free. He's a God of forgiveness, not condemnation. But I need you to see Satan really does come. He plays hardball. It's not a game. So I want to look at why you might be struggling with your identity of just being free. I knew myself. I, I mean, I grew up in, in a family where, I'll be honest, there was a lot of curse. My mother was born with spinal bifida, very significant spinal bifida. When my daughter was working uh, for the uh, Spinal Bifida Association, they told her, that, you know, my being born was one of the only cases they knew where somebody had significant spinal bifida like my mother did and she was able to give birth because usually what happens, your, your vertebrae is already weakened. Your vertebrae is atypical. So when you try to carry a baby, the pressure just, it, it, it literally causes your spinal cord and your vertebrae just to, to crack. And that's why even in, in the not early 1950s when I was born, uh, I was born in 1954, but 1953, they, they tried to pressure my mother into an abortion when abortion was not prevalent at that time. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, because she did carry me to term, she ended up having 17 back operations. Tremendous pain. But what I want you to understand is this. Satan will do everything he can to destroy you. So we're looking, I was going to share my testimony is that my brother, my mother went through a lot of pain. She eventually died a, a, an early death through complications with spinal bifida is what affected her. I won't get into a fire that we were involved in, but she was dying of complications with spinal bifida. And I'll be honest with you, it affected me greatly. You've heard the expression, hurt people, hurt people. Man, I'd hear her screaming from the time I was eight years old, I mean, through the night and I mean, I remember being cold out of third, fourth grade and because my mother couldn't find, you know, the pain medication and walking home and trying to find it for her and just, I mean, convulsions and on and on and on. I mean, it, it comes to a point where it, it affects you. 
And it, it, it causes you to see life in a way that's contrary to the way that God's made you to live. So I, I'm going to be honest with you. It affected me. And I'd never heard of Jesus. I was not raised in a Christian home. When I was 18 years old, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Had the privilege of leading my mother to the Lord a few years later. And my dad eventually came into the kingdom. But I'm going to get gut level with you. Because, you know, when you hear about, you know, being free and free from fear and just, man, being excited about life and having just hope every day for awesome things to happen in your life. Man, if you've experienced some things, if you've experienced harm, rejection, failure and different things, I'm going to share with you why it has affected you and then how you can enter in, praise God, to being free from the effects so you can live as you're meant to be. You're meant to live free. Glory to God. So this is gut level. But I'll tell you what. We need to understand what has happened. So we can be free from what has happened. So we can enter into full victory. Amen. Alright. So let's look at this area of harm. I mean like it or not. I mean it is a very inconvenient truth. Perhaps one of the most inconvenient truths in our society today. One in 3.7 females have been sexually abused by the age of 19. One in 4.1 males have been sexually abused. And it used to be one in every 5.8 males, but it just has increased, I mean, just very significantly. And unfortunately, the statistics are not coming down. And I mean, the United States is a nation that has one of the lower sexual abuse rates in the world. There are nations where uh, over 75% of females have been sexually abused and likewise with, with, with males. I, I, I tell you, when you've been harmed in this way, you, you develop coping mechanism just to survive. And what happens is the real you can be lost because the development that God has ordained until you becoming the real you is negated. So instead of just being loved and having fun and having a childhood, it's negated because, man, you're just trying to survive. You're trying to figure out how not to go to, you know, Uncle Elbert's because he's sexually abusing you. You're trying to figure out how, how to just to survive, man, after you've been hurt. It's not the way that God's ordained it. So harm, we're not meant to be harmed. I'm just going to be very honest with you. God has made us in a way that we're to be loved, we're to be safe, we're to be covered, we're to enter into a place where, man, we're just to be blessed. See, cultivation of identity comes through goodness and blessing being daily a part of your life. And then in that context, truth being shared with you. And, and I'm going to be gut level. Most Christians, they don't think so often to just claim protection regarding sexual abuse. It's just something they're not taught. I've, you know, I've dealt with so many wonderful Christians that love God and, and you know, their kids have been sexually abused and they said, you know what? I, I didn't even know that was a reality that could happen. And, and many of them say, you know what? I just thought God just does whatever he wants. It's not up to me. 
And I said, I tell them, God has ordained you to pray, to believe, to claim protection. That's why Psalm 91 is given you. That, that's why there's a thousand other verses in the Bible. Now, I, I'm not telling you that, that you're responsible for your child being hurt. What I'm telling you, though, is that God wants you to enter into a place of dominion where you can cover your children. I'll share this, but I won't get gut level with you. But when my wife and I do marriage counseling, we always tell the parents, you're, 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 if you want children, God's going to give you children, and your children will not be sexually abused. And, and a bunch of pastors found out about that. He said, you can't say that. I said, well, I already did. I said, why in the world couldn't I say it? Well, they said, you never know if God wants your children to be abused. Or, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. Jesus died to take away my griefs and sorrows. And you're telling me that's not a grief and sorrow? You're not going to tell me that he didn't finalize the reality of safety. But see, it's not taught. It's not the parents' fault. That's why I said they're not responsible. It's the church's fault because we haven't taught parents in the area of safety. And there's so much harm. Again, sexual abuse. You know, if you've been sexually abused, you're listening to this. You might still feel, you know, a sense of fear where you don't have closure regarding different things. If that's the case, and really you get in contact with our ministry. We have a program called Through His Eyes with a 95% success rate. We've taken, man, kids that have been ritualistically abused. Those have been gang raped. And I tell you, God not only brings closure regarding the abuse, He even takes away the scars. Glory to God. But you see, harm is one of the ways that identity is negated. Loss, uh, divorce affects children. When someone loses a mom to cancer, we need to let the comforter come. We need to minister to those kids. Man, man we, we just can't say, you know, it happened, let's get over it. Loss can affect identity. Bullying is a type of harm. I, I tell you, bullying, it, it's demonic. Nobody's meant to be degraded in, and bullied because it produces fear. Harm without healing will produce fear. And the Bible says that God's perfect love will cast out fear. So we're going over this, but then we're going to get into the provision, okay? Rejection. Man, you don't measure up. You're loved second best to a brother or a sister because they're more like your parents or they're more accomplished. They seem more gifted. They have a personality more like your parents. I, I tell you, it's shameful. Man, when you're rejected due to a lack of success, a lack of measuring up, I, 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 I'll just be honest with you. It, it, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard. I was uh, ministering to a young man. I mean, he's working on his PhD. But I know that his other brother, and to be quite honest with you, is loved more by his parents. This Really, this young man... The, the, that's loved most, unfortunately, I mean, he's not even walking with God. Well, well his dad came to uh, bring something because, uh, and I met his dad, and I looked him right in the eye because this guy's supposed to be a Christian. I said, you know what? I wouldn't be like you for a zillion dollars. He said, why'd you say that? I said, because of what you've done to your less favored son. I said, you know what? 
Sexual sin is horrendous. I said, what you're doing is, is about the same. And he said, well, wait till, I, I have four daughters, my wife and I. And he said, wait till one of your daughters stands out and you'll do the same thing I did. I said, you know what? I said, I wouldn't do what you've done to this son any more than I commit adultery. And I looked him eye to eye. It hurts when you love second best. It, it, it hurts when, man, you're judged on things that you shouldn't be judged by. Maybe you're not the athlete that one of your parents want. Maybe you don't measure up academically. Maybe you don't have the personality that they want. Maybe this, this, and that doesn't seem to line up. And you know what happens? You exchange your identity to try to be someone that you're not. Or you just, I tell you what, you enter into a place. I mean, it's rejection. God doesn't reject us. The Bible says he accepts us. He loves us unconditionally. I, I think Aaliyah in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, man, she was loved second best. And uh, her husband didn't love her fully. And she did everything she could to get accepted. And finally she said, you know what? I just have to come to grips with being accepted by God and his love being sufficient. So we have harm, we have rejection, and then we have failure. So often people fail and then they define themselves in the context of failing and call themselves failures. You know what? You might not make it in school like one of your brothers and sisters. I, I, you know, I, I shared this prayer, but it bears repetition. I, I was uh, in campus ministry and there was two young men from a, just a one of the top colleges in the country. I was discipling both of them. And uh, the one uh, young man, his dad was a doctor. The other young man, was his, his parents weren't doctors, but uh, they both got into med school. And, and the, the doctor's son, I'll be honest with you, he was not cut out for med school. I don't even know how he got accepted into med school, to be honest with you. And the, but the other young man, he, he, was, you know, he was just cut out for med school. So the first semester, I get a call from both of them. The one young man that's cut out from med school, he's doing great. The doctor's son, he said, you know what, I'm, I, I'm struggling. He said, I'm suicidal. I said, what's wrong, man? He said, I'm just not making it. And he said, I'm so afraid of being a failure in my parents' eyes. I, he said, I, I just don't want to live. I said, here, I'm going to tell you something. I said, you have an office of relationship with Jesus. And I tell you what. It's okay to drop out of med school. This young man dropped out of med school. And his parents weren't real pleased. But he began to see his identity in Christ. And then he did get a master's. Actually, he got a PhD in a social science field. But it wasn't about getting a PhD. You see, he entered into his true identity so he didn't have to be someone else. Man, I know people that are doctors, lawyers. I know a judge. Men, they become doctors and lawyers and judges to impress their parents. And that's the last thing they want to be involved in. And they're never the real them. God wants you to enter into seeing that your identity, amen, isn't who you are through Jesus Christ. All right. And I've hit this before, but I need to hit it again. The Romans 7 versus the Roman 8 teaching. Romans 7 is given before Romans 8 that definitively 
convey to you the difference between the person that is walking in their own strength as opposed to the person that's walking by grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Romans 7 person is a person that is going to enter into failure. The scripture says in Romans 7 in the latter part of the chapter, the things that I want to do, I can't do. Things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Romans 8 says, glory to God. That, that I, man, it's in the context of being able to do all things through Christ. That says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 11, is in you. Woo! To cause you to have victory in every area of your life. I mean, the very anointing, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is infused into you from the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that causes you to be a more than an overcomer and enter into a life of success. Wow. But yet, I believe I've talked to more Christians that identify with Romans 7 through wrong teaching. I've heard more songs about Romans 7 than Romans 8. I think, I think people got so frustrated with Romans 7 they forgot to read Romans 8. But see, it sounds like it's humility. I'm just a worm. The things that I want to do, I can't do. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Poor old me, Jesus, come. Can I tell you something? That's a demon. That is, that is ultra deception that negates the glory of the blood of Jesus Christ. If the blood of Jesus Christ isn't powerful enough to cause you to have victory in this life, then why was it shed? I'm not here to play church. I'm here to get you to be the real you. And as long as you think the real you is somebody that's to fail, then you're never going to be the real you. We need to, I tell you, we need to proclaim truth. No, you don't identify with Romans 7. That's the man that's under the law. That's the man that's not born again. Or that's the man that's trying to live by his own strength. You're Romans 8's glory to God. You're a Romans 8 being. Hallelujah. I had a young man I was discipling. I've shared this prior. And uh, glory to God, he had on his Facebook uh, a, a verse from uh, Jeremiah said that I'm deceitfully wicked and full of evil. I said, where did you get that? He quoted the verse. I said, that's the pre-born again man. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I looked on his Facebook a week later. He said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I said, amen. Glory to God. All right. Now, now let's look at ramifications from harm, from rejection. I, I mean, when we looked at this, uh, the harm, rejection, and failure, it has ramifications. One, you begin to identify with it. You know, blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus means son of discouragement. I've never talked with so many Christians that are gifted, that love God, that are discouraged, disillusioned, and depressed. That's not the 3D life that God wants. No, not discouragement, not depression. Oh, my goodness. And disillusionment. God wants your 3D life to be decisions determine destiny. And because you're a Romans 8 man and woman of God, your destiny is going to be awesome because you can choose destiny and walk in it. Praise God. Glory to Jesus. Mm. So the ramifications of harm, of rejection, of failure. And you can enter into a who cares attitude. 
I, I see so many kids, you know, they, they become gothic. They, they're dressing in black and just, you know, it's like, who cares? Man, if I can't win, seriously, why, why fight if you, if you don't, can't win? How can you have hope for something if you're never going to enter in to what you want? Years ago, there's a group called the Grateful Dead. I think most of them have died from drug abuse. But I, I, they're still around. I, in fact, I counseled a young man. He was a groupie for the Grateful Dead just, just recently, a few years ago. And uh, their theology is this. You're dead. It doesn't matter how hard you try. God's against you if there is a God. So, so if you're, if, you know, just, man, get high, enter into all the sex you can, get as high as you can, as long as you can, and, hey, you're dead, so enjoy just being dead. No. It's a lie. This young man who had been hurt so severely through abuse, through failure, through rejection, is now walking in the power of Jesus Christ. Because he's been free from the lie through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you can enter in, who cares? Man, you enter into a quick fix, looking for love in all the wrong places. Man, sexual sin, drugs. Man, you know, there's no absolutes. Whatever feels good, you know, I'll do it. You're, you're trying to do everything, honestly, you're trying to do everything possible, I mean, to bring success. I know I'm going to move here. I'm going to change my, my gender. I'll change from a male to a female, a female to a male. I'm going to tell you something. That is the ultimate lie. The enemy will try to get you to exchange a God-given identity for an identity. Making you think that identity doesn't work for another identity. So he can keep you in bondage. God wants you to know there's only one way to be free. It's not through sexual sin, drugs, identity change, or anything else. That we're going to look at even perfectionism, trying to do good. It's through seeing who you really are. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, you want identity, you want value. You can gauge how much you're worth on the price that Jesus paid. He paid an infinite price. It's worth more than a zillion dollars. He went through infinite suffering to procure your identity. They give you an identity. Being a new creation in Christ to give you his DNA, his image. Man, as it, a zillion dollars to the zillionth power would not communicate your value and your awesomeness. Glory to Jesus. Ramifications. Perfectionism. Man, I, 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 you know, my mom got a divorce probably because of me, because I mess up so much. I must have got hurt in that accident because God is not pleased with me, so I, I guess I have to do better. I, I'm going to show everybody. I, I'm just going to be, I'm going to do everything right all the time. But you can't. Perfectionism is a curse. It's a deception. Some people, man, I was angry. Man, I, I must hurt so many people. I remember firebombing a house. 
not caring who was in it. I was so screwed up because of harm that I really didn't care about anyone or anything, including myself. I remember going 110 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone, police chase. They said they were going to wrap me up. My dad's cousin was head of the police force. And that's the only reason they didn't take me to jail. And you know what? 110 mile an hour police chase. I didn't care if I lived or died. Because, I, I, man, I hurt so bad from, from seeing my mother's pain. I hurt so bad. And you know what I did after the police, or the whole deal? I took off again and went 80, 90. I didn't care. I was angry. Ramifications. You, you know, we try to enter into a place, you know, well, no right or wrong. If it feels good, do it type of deal. Or we put on masks. You know what? I can't really make it and live right. But so I put on the mask of religiosity. I put on the mask of the soccer mom, but I, I, I'll be in secret relationships. I put on the mask of, man, I'm the best guy in town. Nicest guy in town. Denial. Through drugs. Depression. Man, it's for real, isn't it? I don't know about you. When I look at this, I see the world around me. I, I see people committing suicide. They're checking out. Because their life is a life of harm. Their life is a, a life of rejection. Their life is a life of failure. And all too often the church, the church, which is the answer to show Jesus. Man, and they've been rejected by everybody. They come in with a tattoo or an earring in their ear. And man, and we throw them out. Honestly. Man, they don't need to be rejected more. They need to be accepted. My God, they come in and, 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 and with a cigarette. Who gives a flip? God, it's about them. Not about you and your rules and people trying to have to measure up just to sit in church. There's ramifications. Man, that, uh, you know, we, we talked about, you know, when, when there's abuse, there, you know, there's coping mechanisms. Coping mechanisms are made to be temporary, to get you through a time. They're not meant to become who you are. I, I know so many people, they, they lost their childhood through sexual abuse. They became adult-like. And then they became over-assertive. But over-assertiveness worked for them. So they're over-assertive people. I mean, their spouse is afraid of them. Their kids are afraid of them. But see, that's the only thing that they knew back then. And now because it's not been replaced by true identity, it's still what they operate in. And it's not who they are. And man, they're a mess because of it. What's the provision? I know it sounds simple. In some way it is, in some way it's not. The provision, my friend, is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can heal you. He is the only one that can satisfy you. Man, when you're harmed, 
It created a void in you. It took out what you were supposed to have in the context of unconditional love. And it put in fear. When you were rejected over and over again, told you were second best or not good at all, it gave you an identity that negated hope. When you entered into failure, even when you tried to do things right, there's only one provision. Acts 4.12 said there's only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one name that can give you true identity. It's not Allah, it's not Buddha, it's not Krishna, it's not a theology. It's Jesus Christ. See, here's the amazing thing. Inside of you is a void that only Jesus can fulfill. But you know what the neatest thing is? There's a void inside God that only you can fulfill. He's your father. He created you. Psalm 139. He sent his son to die for you. He ever lives for you to come into this relationship. God didn't cause harm. God is the provision to heal you from harm. Right now, if you're listening to my voice and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, or you're not walking with Jesus Christ. Right now, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ and you know in your heart there's a void, you've tried everything else except Jesus. God will empower you. Man, we've got people who have been Narcan six, eight, ten times at the counseling center and now they're free. Most of all, he will love you. He will give you his image, which is your identity. And he will empower you to enter into abundant life, even eternal life. I just sense there's those listening right now by, by CD, watching by DVD. And you're saying, yeah, I've tried everything. Now I want this. I need this. Pray with me. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus. I need you. I need your love. I need to identify with you. I need you to give me an identity. Forgive me of my sins. I'm so sorry. Cleanse me. Cause me to be born again. Cause your image to come to me right now. If you said that simple prayer, Jesus has come into your life. And right now, there's change that you can sense. And it'll start to, oh, just take over. Mm. I want you to call our ministry, or you'll see it on the screen, or write us. We'll get you free information, free material to help you grow. Woo! Get to a church that really is on fire for God. He is your identity. And if you're somebody that's far away from God, or you're somebody that says, you know, I'm a Christian, but man, it's like, yeah, I am disillusioned. Man, those three Ds you talked about. Wow. I, I am down. I am disillusioned. 
I, I thought things were just going to go right and they haven't. I thought when I accepted Jesus, I wouldn't have to experience this. or I, I didn't know there'd still be hurt. I, I, I'm confused. Listen to me. There will be challenges. But God wants you to know. He's not only with you, he's for you. And he wants you to know he will empower you to walk in freedom from being hurt, Psalm 91, to be covered by his love and safety, to enter into a place where daily you are fed, literally, with the presence of God, the word of God, the voice of God. The love of other Christians. It's an amazing life. You say, well, I tried that. I, mean, I was in that, but then it went south. Pray with me right now. Just say, Jesus, whether you're far away from God or it just doesn't seem to be working. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive myself free from the lie that it's not working. I rebuke that lie in Jesus' name. And I loose myself to you who died for me who are my life. I loose right now things going up, up, and up. Like David of old who said I was raised on high. Lord, you didn't create me to hurt me. You didn't create me to be rejected. You didn't create me to fail. Right now in Jesus' name, I proclaim according to Jeremiah 29:11 that I am made to be blessed. I am made to be blessed lots. I am made to be blessed even as Jesus Christ was blessed because I'm a joint heir with Christ by the power of his blood, by grace. I loose the blessing under my life to the glory and honor of God. I just sense Jesus. I sense Jesus. Oh, glory to God. You see, the Bible says that we're called to profound intimacy with Jesus Christ. Go with me if you would, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, that's right, just listen. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Here's what's amazing to me. A lot of times when somebody gets saved, man, what happens is that, man, they're taught to share the four spiritual laws, to sing in the choir, uh, you know, to serve on a committee. And they're never discipled in how to enter into intimacy with the one that saved them. See, if you're going to enter into being the real you, you need to know how to cultivate the real you. We're going to give an introduction to this now at the latter part of this session. And then we're going to elaborate on it in our third session. But here's the amazing thing. Your identity is an intimacy. I'm going to say this again. Your identity is an intimacy. God has ordained you to have a relationship with God the Father that is so intimate that the love that the Father lavished upon Jesus is the same love that's lavished upon you in the context of his presence, 
his faith, his love, his character, his voice. Wow. I close with this verse. Uh, in our initial session, I'm going to come back to it after I read uh, 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. It's John 17, 26. But again, your identity is in who you're closest to. If you could only see that you are as close to God the Father as Jesus Christ is, it would blow you away. You say, how's that possible? Jesus Christ is God. Obviously, I'm not God. Well, that's true. And Jesus Christ is perfect. Obviously, I'm not perfect. That's true. But you see, Jesus Christ has given you what enables him to have relationship with the Father in infinite intimacy. What is it? It's his image. It's his righteousness. God Almighty is infinitely holy, infinitely righteous. And that's who he's caused you to be. You say, what's that mean? How can I be righteous when, man, I'm still smoking cigarettes? How can I be righteous when I'm still cursing? How can I be righteous when I'm struggling with pornography? How can I? Listen to me. You're struggling with those things because you don't understand that you really are righteous. Righteousness is a gift. It's his image that's in you through the new birth. It's the very DNA of God, 1 John 3, 8 and 9, 4, 4, 5, 3 and 4, 5, 18. I know I'm, I'm sharing things that need to be elaborated, Lord, and they will be. But you need to see. You're amazing. Because God's made you amazing. Is God amazing? Of course he is. Well, how can you not be amazing when you have his image? Glory to Jesus. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Listen to this real close. It says this. According as his divine power has given unto us all things. Woo. Through the knowledge of him that has called us, now listen to this, to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that's the written word of God, the Bible, that by these you might partake of the divine nature. What's it saying? It's saying what it says. <laughs> You're not told to serve on committees. Being a Christian isn't serving on committees or even sharing the four spiritual laws or singing in the choir. All those things are fine. You're called to experience the very life of the living God. His character. His holiness. I, I, I mean, you're, His love. Let's just look at a few of these things. My goodness. My goodness. The glory of God is the most innermost part of God. It's what makes God God. Let's just take an example. Let's say purity. So many men and women struggle with sexual impurity. 
And can I tell you something? Sexual impurity is filthy. And, and someone says, well, I tried to get overcome it, but I can't. Oh, you can't. You know why? Because Jesus is purity. And when you see that the Jesus who created the world is in you by the Holy Ghost, and you learn how his purity is infused into you, and it becomes who you are for you to live as Christ. It is amazing. I was witnessing one time on a college campus. And I shared with a young man. He was in his early 20s. He was going to a party. It was a uh, Saturday night. And he said, you got to be kidding me. Jesus, he said, man, I'm going to have, he, he told me right, right up front, he said, I'm going to have sex tonight. I want to find somebody to have. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? The only reason that sexual impurity turns you on and does this is because right now you're walking in the image of a dog. And you're just like a dog in heat. And I said, when you get married and you, you have a, a young girl, do you want her to be the person that, that's being, that you're, you're going to have sex with somebody's daughter, man? You want that to be your daughter? He looked at me and he said, no. I said, why do you want to be doing to other men's daughters what you don't have done to your own? And I said, man, there's a glory. There is a glory that's so awesome. In context of sexual purity, it's amazing. And then when you are with the wife of your youth that God's ordained, and see, and you're in a marriage bed undefiled. It's, it's amazing. He looked at me and he said, I, I don't understand what you're saying fully, but he said it does make sense to some degree. I said, it'll make sense fully when you accept Christ as your Savior. How awesome is God? How pure is God? How loving is God? How awesome is it to partake of the glory and the virtue of the living God? Let's take physical wholeness. Let's look at some of these things. Because see, this is your identity. See, Satan is after your identity. With every trial, Satan is saying, God doesn't love you. Satan is saying, this isn't real. Satan is saying, it doesn't work. What is he after? He's after your birthright. He's after your identity. This is why Israel, can, man, they'd walk with God, then fall away, walk with God, fall away, walk with God, fall away. It's because they never knew their true identity. The Bible says they knew the works of God. They, they saw, you know, the miracles, the Red Sea walking on dry land. And, uh, uh, but they never knew the heart of God. They never entered into true identity. So many Christians are like that. But, he's, but Psalm 103 says Moses, he knew the heart of God. He's the one when they crossed the Red Sea. He started, everybody else was singing about crossing the Red Sea, about how awesome it was. And here's what Moses' song. He said, my father's God, and I'm his child, and I will exalt him. See, it's one thing 
to exalt miracles. It's another thing to exalt the God of miracles as your father. Now I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but boy, I tell you, I'm teaching myself how and I'm trusting this is getting across to you. Oh, Jesus. So, so let's, let's look at what a, a, another attribute you, you know, of Jesus. We looked at impurity. Oh, my, there's so many. And I, I, I don't want to get ahead of my, but let's just look at a few more. Oh, my goodness. Let, let's look at his love. Well, I said I was going to look at physical wholeness. I'm so excited. I'll tell you what. Well, let's look at physical wholeness. And then let's just look at his love. The Bible says that in 3 John 2, that God wants us to be blessed financially and to be in health even as our soul prospers. The Bible says that physical wholeness is so important to God. It's one of the things he died for that we could have. In fact, the Bible says he was whipped with, I mean, think about this. At the end of the whip was pieces of glass, sharp pieces of bone, cat and nine tails. And in the first, they, they whipped them over 40 times. And in the first two times, they took the skin off his back. And then they're just whipping his sinews. He's in, he's in, he's in pain that can't even be described. And the Bible says he took that punishment so we could be healed. See, people ask me all the time. How do you know it's God's will to heal? And I, I said, let's take it. Let's get to the root. Is God healing? See, one of the primary virtues of what causes God, what God consists of, one of the primary virtues, one of the primary glories of who of what God consists of is physical wholeness. And, and this, you know, I've seen, so, you know, I'm privileged to see. So many people healed, I, I, whether it's a, a young boy born blind or someone with cancer, or on and on, because I take this verse in the context of the identity of every child of God. And I've, I've seen a lot of people that are not Christians healed because I tell them God's so loving and so merciful. No, not everybody's going to go to heaven. But I've seen people healed that aren't even saved. Just because of God's mercy. It's that scriptural, you better believe it. Name in the Syrian. I, I mean, Mark chapter 7, the Syrophoenician woman, on and on. But let's look at that. So many Christians have a fear of getting cancer because they don't understand their true identity. Can I tell you something? When you understand that everything that God Almighty is, He has made yours in the context of His virtue. You'll never again be fearful of harm. Now, we're not talking about you being some little God, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. But we're talking about His love, His, his virtues, in the context of His wholeness. I, 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 let me share a testimony. This man was in the 1930s when the bubonic plague was ravaging much of Africa. He was a medical doctor from England. His name was Dr. John G. Lake. And 
he was a Christian, but as a young man, 18, 19 years old, he, he saw a, a number of his siblings get sick and die. He saw people round about them harmed and, and, and dying of disease. As one of the reasons he became a doctor to help people. And he said, God, who are you? See, you can't enter into your identity until you understand his identity. I will say it again. You will never enter into who you are unless you enter into understanding who he is. And God, in tears, communicated with him through the word of God. John, I'm not a God of sickness. Isn't that what he said in Exodus 15? I'm not a God who brings sickness. I am the Lord, Yahweh Rapha, the God who is physical wholeness, the God who healeth thee. And he began to communicate through this verse. He, he said, John, even as Jesus walked in wholeness, sickness could not touch him. Because you, I've given you his image, it will not touch you either. And he began to show him Romans 8, 9. How the power of the Holy Spirit, the life of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life is one of the names of the Holy Spirit. Being in him would cause physical wholeness to reign in him in something called divine life. And Dr. Lake began to meditate on the scriptures. He began to eat of his God. What's it mean to eat of God? John 6, 57. Jesus said, even as I eat of the Father and live by him, so he that eats of me will live likewise. Uh, an amazing verse. He began to enter into the presence of this awesome God and to establish his own identity in the presence of Father God. And he began to get the revelation that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. And he began to see if the spirit of God was in him that physical wholeness, divine life was just going to literally, I mean, just reign in him. Let, let me give you a scripture that goes with this. I could give you numerous one. Acts 19, the glory of God it, it, so uh, went through Paul that they took handkerchiefs from his body and people were healed and demons left people. Peter's shadow healed people. In 2 Kings chapter 13, it's amazing. Elisha, when it was time to go to be with God and, and, you know, to leave the earth, the Bible said he died and they buried him in an open sepulcher and there was a war going on between uh, two different factions so they didn't have time to close the sepulcher. A guy dies in battle. He touches the bones of Elisha and he's raised from the dead through touching the dead bones of Elisha. What is that in the Bible? You see... The Holy Spirit would come upon Elisha when he prophesied, when he prayed for people. And a part of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it, it affected. It went into Elisha's body, even permeated his bones. So when he died, his bones were anointed by the, through the Holy Spirit, interaction with him. And that anointing raised the man from the dead. And I ask people all the time, if the dead bones of an Old Testament prophet 
through the Holy Spirit coming upon him could raise a man from the dead, what does a New Testament believer who is a child of God who has the Holy Spirit in him, what does that anointing do? The anointing that raised Jesus from the dead. Wow. See, it's all about identity. John G. Lake began to enter into this. So he's in Africa. He's on the mission field, but he's a medical doctor. And a lot of the scientists came over from England. They're trying to get a cure for the bubonic plague. And Dr. Lake prayed for so many people. They got healed, but they took him to a place where he was not at. And, and people had died. And they took the bloody froth with, with gloves on to examine it under a microscope. And Dr. Lake, with no gloves on, took that bloody, bloody froth in his hands, which of course was contagious and would bring death, and said, now examine this froth that my hands have just touched. And the bloody froth that was filled with bacteria, with bacteria that would kill somebody, all the bacteria was dead. Why? Because of this scripture. We're called to partake through the word of God through the infusion power of the Holy Spirit of the very virtue of the living God we give the example of purity we give in the example of physical wholeness see their virtues when the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus it says virtue went out of Jesus and healed her well, see, now that Jesus is in you, his virtue is in you. But most Christians don't have an, a clue about it. So we're begging for God to heal us when the virtue of healing is already in us, simply needing to be released through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're crying out to God to help us overcome sexual impurity, sexual sin, pornography with little success in many cases, when the God who is infinitely pure, as pure as the universe is large, is in us through the Holy Spirit. And God sent His Son to die, not only that you'd have eternal life, but that His life will become your life. And most Christians are disillusioned because they're failing, being harmed and rejected. Listen to me as we close. I said we're going to get the love of God. We will. It is amazing when you really enter into the reality of who you are. But it's only who you are in Christ Jesus. We shared this verse in our initial session, Galatians 4, 1 to 6, where it shared as if you're a child of the king, but don't know you're a child of the king, it will profit you nothing because you act like a slave. Even though you're a child of God, it will not profit you unless you discover your identity through the spirit of revelation by the word of God and accept the truth of who you are. It's amazing to me. I, honestly, 
The hardest thing about Christianity is the natural. It's just how amazing it is to be a Christian. It is so beyond what our minds can comprehend. When we talk about being called to partake of the very glory by which God himself consists, we're called to experience the awesomeness of his being to the point where his life becomes our life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can do all things through Christ who infuses his life into me through the power of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4.13. It's just amazing. As we close, I just think the Lord wants you to know Ephesians 3.20. God says that he can do exceedingly and beyond whatever we can ask or think. And he really has gone beyond <laughs> what he has given you and me. His very image. And says to you and me, even as I love my only begotten son, I love you. Even as I was unto him when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago, I lived to be unto you. Even as he could touch my heart and minister to my heart, you can minister to my heart. And we're going to look at that more. Even as He is. I've called you unto being conformed to this image. All I can say is, wow. 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 <laughs> it's amazing. You're amazing because the God who is amazing has given you himself.